What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Watch Diary. My name is is Ryan Snelling, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Tonight, I'm recording this on Sunday night, releasing this on Monday. I think that's what I'm going to do from now on. Because, you know, I've got this new job, and I have different days off. Sunday night, I like it, you know? Especially because that's how it used to be. That's how it should be done. You know, if you have a movie review podcast, I think you should go see a movie on a Thursday night or a Friday and let it sit with you. Let it digest through the weekend. And then podcast at the end of the weekend, release on a Monday. Th- that just seems beautiful to me, you know? Not to rush anything, do exactly what I want when I want it. I mean, that's how I've lived my life, for better or for worse. Uh, always doing what I want when I want it. So that just sounds great to me. A little fun fact I already recorded this intro today. I did it about hmm, eight hours ago, and I was way more stuffed up, and it was a lot harder to talk, and I've had a really productive day as far as getting better, getting groceries, I just got back from the grocery, just doing stuff I should have been doing. Um, I've been sick. Yeah, I haven't been sick in ages, so it was quite a shock to me when I woke up on Friday and felt terrible. I knew that it was coming on. Thursday, I could tell I was sneezing a lot. I told my stepdad, I was like, you know what? I'm getting sick. I can tell. But Friday, I woke up in a lot of pain. It was all in my sinuses, and um, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. I started going back to the gym, too. I think I went on, like, Wednesday night, late Wednesday night. So when I woke up on Friday, not only was I sick and had terrible, like, head pain, But my body was like really, really sore and stiff because I'm out of shape. So it was miserable being, it was just so hard to move. I couldn't walk up and down my steps. It was, it was terrible. All I had to do, all I did was sleep and uh, it was just a nightmare. I've gotten better. You know, my throat was terrible. It was a lot worse than it is now, but uh, I didn't put all this stuff up to not podcast. So even though I'm not at 100%, I felt like I needed to go on and commit to podcasting, releasing on a Monday, because something else is about to happen. I didn't even see Megan. That was another thing. I should have seen Megan. Maybe I'll check out Megan um, and review it next week, because I don't think there's much going on other than the Golden Globes. Um, But yeah, I'm here to do my top 10 list of 2022. Usually, I wait three or four weeks into January to do these so I can 
you know, get last minute movies in. And I, I decided, look, I'm, I'm, I'm done with trying to scramble. And if, if you've been listening to my podcast, Sight and Sound, you know, Watch Diary, what have you, Movie House, whatever. I f- always forget Movie House. <laughs> you know how I feel about how they release independent films for Academy Award consideration. And this year is better, but not that different. So I woke up this morning not realizing, not knowing I was going to do this podcast. Um, but I found out that the actor, I believe his name is Paul Mescal or Paul Mescal, he is cast in Gladiator 2. And this gentleman, I've seen him around on film Twitter. You know, he's kind of like one of those celebrities that all of a sudden everybody knows about. And you're just like, who is that? Um, (laughs) So I've seen him around. I see his face. I recognize him. Well, he's in this movie After Sun, an A24 film. So I saw his casting. I saw After Sun. It was a big, you know, A24 movie. Uh, It was supposed to wreck me. I was excited because I love when movies wreck me. And... I went to see where I could stream it, and guys, it's just on VOD for buy. <laughs> for buy. Uh, it's not for rent, it's for buy. And uh, it's not streaming anywhere. And I just, I took that as a sign. You know what? I'm not waiting. Sorry. So there is one movie that I wish I fit in, and I don't really have an excuse as to why I didn't watch it, and that is Pearl. Uh, that could have been something I've watched over the last several months, I know. Um, but I didn't get Pearl in, but I, it's okay. I don't I don't think it would have gotten in my top 10. That's kind of how I feel about Babylon. I don't know what side of the fence I'm going to be on when I see Babylon, but I have a very strong feeling that it wouldn't make my top 10 no matter what. So I'm good just going on and doing my top 10 list. Don't want to wait anymore because I, I want to get in good habits. You know, I, I want to... Start reviewing movies right out the gate, even though I've missed Megan. Uh, right out the gate, I want to be on top of the Golden Globes. I, I want to be more on top of stuff this year. Um, I want to be excited because I have a townhouse. I have everything that I need. I'm going to, I think, in the other room, start building my podcast studio. So it won't stay here. Um, I'm going to focus on making this the best that it can be. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. So anyway, uh, I'm getting over being sick, but, um, I'm ready to go and I'm glad that you're here. I just, I, I just spit a lot out in six minutes. That's for sure. I've got a nice lemon water, squeeze the whole lemon. I've had maybe a dozen glasses of lemon water. I've had a ton of Theraflu. I've had tea. I've had a shitload of chicken noodle soup where I just dump sriracha, cut up jalapeno, chili pepper flakes, you know, just trying to make it as hot. I know you're I know you're probably laughing. Yeah, that's not as hot as possible. You know what I mean? Trying to make it hot with the things that I have accessible to be at my place. And um, I've had so many bowls of that soup just trying to empty my head. It's crazy. It's been frustrating. Oh, and I have a Coke Zero. The craziest thing about this. So, again, it is Sunday night. And I've been sick since I woke up on Friday, which means my last cold brew, my trusty Trenta cold brew, was on Thursday. 
So I would have gotten it around 7.30 a.m., and I usually let it last. It typically lasts me until around noon, a lunchtime. So I've gone three, right, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I've gone almost four entire days without coffee. And I haven't had, as far as I know, withdrawal symptoms because I haven't really had a headache from being sick. You know, I've had my body pain, like I said, but that was from working out and I've had my sinus pressure, but I haven't had any headaches. Granted, Theraflu has acetaminophen in it and I've had some ibuprofen, but I haven't been taking ibuprofen because I have a headache, if that makes sense. So, did my body, it, was my body so distracted by my sickness that it just let me wean off of coffee? Isn't that crazy? That's weird, right? I don't know. I feel like this is something I should take advantage of, but I don't know, I, but I can't. And here's why I can't. I have so many Starbucks gift cards on my phone. <laughs> I need to use them. I, I, but this is kind of a win that I'm not going to take advantage of. I'm going to count on maybe getting sick again later in the year. But I don't know, man. Maybe I should sell my gift cards. <laughs> How can I do that? I don't know. Let somebody log into my Starbucks app. <laughs> oh. It's kind of cool, though. If you think about it, it's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? I don't know. I just know that, let's say, uh, tomorrow is the college football championship. The M.N. and the Wasp Quantum Mania trailer is going to drop. Uh, so if I'm home, I might do a trailer reaction. Uh, we'll see. And then Tuesday's the Golden Globes. I might do a thing for that. Probably not, just because it's just me getting on here and recapping. And I don't really. I don't really have an interest in doing that now that I'm saying that out loud. I mean, this coming weekend, I don't know. Other than Megan, I don't know what's happening. So I might just watch Megan and review that this coming weekend. Uh, just to give you something to look forward to ahead. Um, you know what's funny? When I recorded this intro, intro earlier today, it was like 20 minutes. But why am I already ready to do my top 10 list? I don't... I like my lights. But they're not as soft and I don't know there's something different and I can't figure out why this wall is obviously a lot closer to me than my apartment wall in Tucson so the lights weren't the lights had more I don't know I just don't get why my lights aren't reaching up here maybe I, I do know why wait no I don't it's just weird I don't get it I don't like the these lights are weird these are different I don't know it's like they're softer but they're not and anyway and I'm all I'm upset with my webcam because it's not holding up and it, I mean it's all noisy here and I want a better webcam uh anyway <laughs> that was really just a moment where I just spit out everything that was entering my brain as I looked around in my room <laughs> oh man all right so I think I want to go on and just talk about uh 2022 um and by and before I do that, let's go over 2021 real quick, actually. 
That, that might be a little fun. Let me pull up my 2022 list and let me go to 2021 because I thought 2021 was an awful year for movies. Now, I feel like that's kind of obvious because of COVID, but like none of, I don't know if I care about, I'm looking at my top 14 from 2021 and I really only care about like four of these movies for the most part do you all remember the best picture winner of last year I know I know what I know the answer and I knew the answer before I had it pulled up on my screen but I'm just gonna tell you I haven't thought about it since the, <laughs> the day I watched and I remember talking about it on the podcast or whatever video I made I said I don't know if I'm going to remember this. The answer is Coda. So anyway, there's that. Coda was the best picture winner. So here's my top 14 on Letterboxd from 2021. Red Rocket, The Power of the Dog, The Lost Daughter, No Time to Die, King Richard, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Night House, West Side Story, Coda, A Quiet Place Part 2. It's really good. The Last Duel. Licorice Pizza, Dune, and Spider-Man No Way Home. (laughs) Terrible year for movies. Now, here's what's great about 2022. This was... If I I could put a theme of 2022, if I could put an overall message or motif as to what 2023... Excuse me, 2022 stood for. It was the return of the theatrical experience for so many aspects. We had some of the biggest movies of all time debut in 2023 and benefit from theatrical experiences, but we also saw this huge fallout in streaming with Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO Max, they're struggling to get things together and I think we are going to iron all these things out and I think we're eventually going to get to a place where we where we figure out how to use both in relation to each other and they both benefit each other i think we're headed there but glass onion is a a great i don't know example of how the theatrical experience kind of overshadows and overtook streaming yes glass onion was big on streaming um and a huge movie but it was one of the best netflix debuts ever because of the theatrical experience. And if they gave it more of a window in theaters, it would have made way more money and been an even bigger movie. So, I mean, there's a lot of... And we had really good streaming movies this year, though. Like, really great ones. Um, Fresh. Hulu was a great (laughs) new movie. Uh, Hellraiser, I didn't see, but Hellraiser, I feel like that's a pretty big deal that that was on uh, Hulu. Prey was maybe one of the best streaming movies ever. Um, Fresh was fantastic. Um, Turning Red, even though it shouldn't have been on Disney+, Plus, um, was really, really good. I mean, streaming had really good movies as well. Uh, but yeah, the theatrical experience, man, the magic of cinema was back. After a terrible year in 2021, movies were back. And um, I just had a lot of fun. There were a lot of duds for sure, but there, there was so much fun to be had in theaters this year. 
And I think one of the big reasons why, it's, I want to separate this conversation outside of uh, my top 10, because none of these movies were in my top 10, but horror was huge this year. Huge. And like, there's so many horror movies that I'm going to forget to mention, and there's several I didn't see, but I think my favorite one, this was my top 11, so it's an honorable mention. Bodies, 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 that movie is fun as hell. I loved Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It was so entertaining, so well done. It was a group of nobodies just having a blast, it looked like, and was also genuinely scary to me. And I was just so involved in that experience. I just, I thought it was really, really fun. And I, I think the weird thing too is that I liked it a lot more than other people did I don't know why I mean it's in the vein of Scream and there was a Scream movie this year and I thought Bodies 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 out screamed Scream I just thought it was really great and if you haven't seen it watch it it's it's a great movie to watch with friends for sure um, again Fresh was another one if you haven't seen Fresh it's on Hulu Sebastian Stan and let me find out the actress real quick she was in the Where the Crawled Ed sing Daisy Edgar Jones she was fantastic in it uh, just a little unsuspecting horror movie uh, on Hulu, and it's fantastic. Uh, Barbarian, of course. What a what a great fun film. X uh, was awesome as well. You know, it, and you go outside of horror a little bit. You get like Nope, and maybe the menu if you want to do some thrillers. Smile was really good, and uh, the Black Phone. What I appreciate it, but I really didn't think it was that great. If you remember in my review, I kind of just talked about how that kid always had like a million things going for him. You know? Anyway. <laughs> Everybody's like, people who didn't see my review are like, what are you talking about? So he had ghost children helping him. He had his sister looking for him while also having the superpower of being psychic. And then you have the police looking for him. And then the monster, Ethan Hawke's character, I can't remember his name, the diddler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ethan Hawke's character's brother is investigating him too that kid had a million things going for him and I never felt like he was in danger silly anyway uh, Beast was kind of fun to watch but also insanely forgettable Idris Elba going after a big ass lion it's pretty sick um, so yeah a lot of horror was fantastic and I'm not even a horror guy but I mean what a great what a great year and I owe horror a lot for just, I just had a lot of fun because of horror this year in theaters. Um, so yeah, shout out to all those movies. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was easily my favorite horror movie though. Um, so yeah. Uh, a lot of other great movies too uh, that I'm not going to smile. Like I said, it was a great theatrical experience. Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I mean, that was kind of a celebration of movies and Nicolas Cage. But um, ultimately, it just ended up being... Uh, I can't stand the trope of where comedies just turn into a thing where they accidentally get involved in a, some drug scheme, and I'm just I'm so over that. I mean, that's every fucking movie, every comedy movie, except Bros. Bros was my favorite comedy of the year, and that was my number 15, so that's in my honorable mentions as well. So, uh, yeah, what's another big movie? Um, Elvis didn't make my top 10. Nope, didn't make my top 10. The Menu didn't make my top 10. Um, I, I feel like Spiderhead doesn't get any love. It wasn't perfect, but I thought it was a really solid horror. Or, I'm sorry, thriller, excuse me. Uh, Clerks 3, that was a big deal. Uh, I think the other thing 
that we need to discuss is Marvel. Um, one of the worst years for Marvel probably ever. And I, I think it's really interesting, too, because this year, there's a, all, it seems like there's a movie that parallels the Marvel movie that came out. Um, you know, with Wakanda Forever, we had Wakanda Forever and we had The Woman King. And I feel like every time we do this, the other version of said movie is the better version of said movie. Uh, Marvel didn't make the best of anything this year. Uh, they didn't make the best Black Panther movie, unfortunately. They didn't make the best Doctor Strange movie. They didn't make the best Thor and or, I'm sorry, Taika Waititi Thor movie. They didn't make the best badass African warrior movie. They didn't make the best Viking movie. They didn't make the best multiverse movie. And it just, I don't know. I just, I think all around they failed on all fronts. And I talked about this in the MCU ranking, but I just think it's so interesting that there was a counterpart to every Marvel movie this year that was infinitely better. And I think one of the reasons why was how... Not entirely real, but just how much care and thought and reality, how grounded all of them were, but also how rooted in reality they were filmed. Uh, because for the most part, they were done cheaply, and practically, cheaply in a good way, and practically. And it just reminded me of, you know, things I don't like like about Marvel, but also things I want to appreciate more about other movies. I think that's another goal I have in 2023, is to talk about other movies the way that we talk about Marvel. You know, there's always a conversation, there's always a thing to discuss, and that's okay, and I like talking about Marvel, but I want to make the the same amount of conversation come out of a movie like, I don't know, Bros or Prey. And I just didn't do that uh, this year. So that's something I want to do moving forward. Um, and ho So hopefully I hunker down and pay more attention to movies this year. And that's just something I want to do. I want to get more involved and, and discuss movies. Like Glass Onion should have had its own podcast. And I didn't give it one. So, sorry, I keep sniffing. Sorry, maybe I should go blow my nose. Maybe I'll take a break and blow my nose, and then when I get back, uh, I will do my top 10 ranking. Here I go. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So, yeah, let me go through my honorable mentions real quick just to breeze through them. And then we'll get my top 10. So, my number 15 is Bros. I think it's the funniest comedy of the year, hands down. And shout out to Billy Eichner for creating a genuinely hilarious rom-com that maintained my interest throughout. I, 
I am not on board with how he kind of reacted um, to uh, to the movie because I think it's something he should be proud of, and I think he should blame the studio for not promoting it well. But um, it's a great movie, and uh, I really appreciated it. And uh, yeah, it was a delight. Number fourteen is Prey, best uh, streaming movie I think hands down. With the exception of... There is one movie I saw on streaming, but I don't count it as a streaming movie. But anyway, Prey, it should have been given a theatrical release. And it would have been a really fun movie to watch in theaters. But it was a really fun movie to watch at home, too. Just a night, a night, a tight, nice, solid entry into the Predator franchise. And uh, yeah, it was badass. I think it was sick. So good for them. And Amber Midthunder from Legion... Good for her for ha- having... A, I think she was a breakout star this year. I'm not going to lie. Uh, she did a really great job in it, and uh, I think it's badass, and I can't wait to watch it again. My number 13 is a movie that emotionally wrecked me, and I was super involved. It is a flawed film, but um, I don't really care to dwell on its flaws because um, I just commend Ryan Coogler and the cast of Black Panther Wakanda Forever for m- making the movie that they did. I thought that there were incredible moments in this film. Um, I cried a lot, and I think it came across super sincere, and I think it addressed... Um, I don't want to spoil it, uh, the big thing, but I think it addressed um, everyone who has an opinion on this movie going into it, if that makes sense. And um, I think... You know, I don't. I don't think everything worked, like I said. But I just commend what they were able to do, and I loved the performances. And um, yeah, it was a very special movie, and uh, I give it a lot of credit. Uh, my number twelve is Glass Onion. I think Ryan Johnson is uh, one of the greatest filmmakers working today, and Glass Onion was just a great, solid entry into the Knives Out franchise. I mean, look, Knives Out is a brand new original franchise it's three four years old something like that five years old and it's got two incredible fun movies with great casts and i've seen it twice now i watched it with my family as well and they all liked it too and i just think i just think he's incredible i don't want ryan johnson to spend all of his time on this franchise i'm not gonna lie i think he's too special of a director i think he should take a break and do something really interesting i want to see something dark and gritty from him again like looper uh but you know it's hard to complain if we get these types of movies too so glass onion i thought it was uh really great and um probably one of the best netflix movies maybe one of the best netflix movies ever on uh on netflix <laughs> number 11's bodies 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 um it was great all right let me take a drink of my lemon water let me take a drink of my Coke Zero. All right, guys. Are you ready for my number 10 film of 2022? Again, I think the thing that I value this year more than anything was the return of the magical theatrical experience. I want to feel immersed in a film. I want to feel like a kid in a film. I want to get excited. And... Um, all of these movies, for the most part, there's a couple that I watched on streaming, but uh, for the most part, no, there was only one that I watched on streaming. 
the rest I saw in theaters. And even the small ones felt big on the big screen. You know, when we talk about streaming in the past, you've heard me mention like some small movies I just don't need to see in theaters. But even the small movies on here, I'm glad that I saw in theaters um, because they were special and they were gorgeous. And so, yeah, it, I just had a great time at the theater this year, if you can't tell. Uh, but yeah, the, all these movies are really great, obviously, because they're in my top 10, but they also just had meaningful, memorable experiences. Um, and uh, that's what it's all about, I think. So my number 10, there's not a more immersive film that I saw this year. Um, this movie is my number 10 only because I didn't want to get carried away when it comes to recency bias, but and I've only seen it once, but it was the most immersive theatrical experience that I've had in 3D IMAX this year. My number 10 is James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of Water. Now, I have not talked about this film on the podcast yet. I think for the most part, Avatar, The Way of Water improved upon everything the original had. I think the only thing missing, I wish we had a little bit more Neytiri more Zoe Saldana. That's what was missing. But now that we have a second entry, finally, I think we know we have a better understanding as to what's in James Cameron's head with this franchise. And it's about generational legacy. It's about family. It's about, of course, the environmental stuff that we've come to understand. There's, I mean, there's a lot going on here. It's so expansive and atmospheric. And I really felt that. And again, obviously the 3D, some of the best 3D, maybe the best 3D I've ever seen. It's the only time I will go watch a 3D film, but also recommend other people do it because of how immersive I was. I keep using that word, but it's so true. And I can't wait to revisit the film. I just think it's special and nobody's doing this. Was it worth the wait? Yeah, I think so. It was really fun. It was really heartfelt and dramatic. I, I love the approach. The third act is great. And uh, I just um, really, really appreciate this film. And it's what the movies are all about. It was a beautiful film. So well done. So I, I liked it a lot. And I know that there's some people out there that are hating on it. And um, But hey, that's nothing new. Because for 13 years, people hated on the original. I think this makes the original better. I watched the original three times this year. I saw it... In the spring, I saw the remaster in theaters, and then I watched it one more time before, and I just had a blast watching it. So Avatar is um, is excellent, and it's one of the best science fiction franchises. I just love the wonder of it. You, you don't get those experiences often. So anyway, Avatar The Way of Water is my number 10. My number 9, Robert Eggers' The Northman. Now... Again, the better Viking movie <laughs> than Thor Love and Thunder by far. The Northman came out early in the year, and for the longest time, it was in my top five. But the last couple of months, I had a ton of movies pile in there real quick, and The Northman fell down a little bit. But The Northman is a wonderful folk tale. You know, it's derived from history, and I really appreciated that as well. But I loved how real this is even though there are those Robert Eggers loves to get loves to get metaphorical and trippy and loves to do weird things so there are those visions that 
uh, we see um, that Prince Amleth has uh, with Valhalla and everything. There are spiritual things that take place in this film. And uh, it's and that's why it's not my favorite Robert Eggers movie. But I loved this story. And um, obviously it's from uh, whatever Shakespeare story that The Lion King is based off of. This is based off that kind of idea here. It's got a fantastic cast. Alexander Skarsgård is a beast in this film. Nicole Kidman, uh, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, the gentleman who plays uh, Ethan Hawke's brother, Kleis Bang, I believe, uh, he did a really great job. I just love how authentic this movie looked. And it was stylized, but still authentic. And I could, I could just feel how much care went into this. And I, that's one thing that I really was attracted to this year. I'm maturing in my old age. And I just want to watch a movie and feel like someone put their entire heart and soul into it and gave a shit when it comes to the production design and story and the writing. And basically, I'm anti-J.J. Abrams. That's where I'm at at the age of 32. And uh, this movie is just a blast. I loved a great. It's a great warrior, great war movie. And um, or, I'm sorry, not a war movie, but I should say a revenge film. And uh, I just had a blast with it. So The Northman, check it out. It's under the pe- uh, under the radar for a lot of people, but uh, you definitely need to watch it on VOD. Uh, this next movie sh- has a lot in common with The Northman. It is a this is more of a war film, I believe. But it's badass, and I love the story. It's the Woman King again. This is the better, <laughs> the better badass African women movie. Uh, the Woman King, Viola Davis. We had a newcomer, uh, Thuso uh, Bedu. I think it's how you pronounce her name. Uh, Lashana Lynch, John Boyega showed out. He did a really great job. The Woman King. I rewatched recently on 4K, and uh, I'll tell you what. I see myself watching this movie a lot. Uh, and recommending it to people a lot. And I think it's going to go down as a classic like Braveheart, like The Patriot. And I love the angle. I mean, we needed one of those movies, but like this, told from this perspective and from this point of view. And again, I love the production design. I feel like they actually gave a shit making this movie. Um, I know that it's not like historically accurate and people are like pulling it apart because of it. But neither is Braveheart. You know, all those movies take their own liberties in a way. And I'm not so concerned with that. This is a really enjoyable, fun uh, warrior film. And I, I think everybody should see this. I mean, I think it's just one of the, I, I hope it does really well in the award season. And I hope it's not thrown under the rug. Uh, the Woman King is my number eight film of 2022. My number seven film is very special. This is the only one that I did not see in theaters. Um, It's because it's an international film, but it's very, very special. And uh, it's RRR, Rise, Roar, Revolt. This movie um, is very special because, first of all, you know, it's not often that uh, films from, you know, Russia or India or China are so big that they make their way and sort of explode in America. It doesn't really happen that often. Every now and then, um, the most recent one that I really you know picked up on was a movie called Shadow. Uh, I believe that was a Chinese film, uh, but it, do- it doesn't happen often. And RRR just out of nowhere exploded onto the scene. That's, it was this huge deal that came out of India, and it was my very first Indian film ever that I've ever seen and it opened up an entire culture 
that I was not familiar with. And it led me down a path of researching, and I watched with Brando other Indian cinema, uh, Tollywood to be specific. But RRR is fascinating and so much fun, and it, there's so much joy to be had watching this. Now, if you don't know what it is, it's available on Netflix in multiple languages. I think I watched it in Hindi, I believe. Um, I'm going to read the summary from Letterboxd. A fictional history of two legendary revolutionaries journey away from home before they begin fighting for their country in the 1920s. Now, from what I understood in my research is that the two main characters actually existed in completely different times in India's history. So that's what's rewriting and they brought them together as best friends. And you don't see this in American cinema because there's a genuine, like, genuine romance between these two where they just enjoy each other and then there's scenes where they're badass and they're like fighting tigers um and leading a revolution against uh the british and in india there's an entire dance sequence that is just so much fun you're just grinning and smiling from ear to ear this movie is three hours and you kind of just never want it to end it's unbelievably special and it's a movie that you should watch with people I watched it by myself, but I had Brando to watch it with me, and we podcasted about it, and that was really, really fun to do that with him. But if you're going to watch RRR, watch it with people and just have a blast. Um, the computer graphics are not that great, but it's okay. You you just buy it anyway, and you don't care. Um, if if this was like the exact same thing, but with like the American version, uh, it wouldn't be nearly as special or fun. And in fact, I would probably massacre it, <laughs> destroy it, because we would ruin it. Uh, but they just had a way with this. I, I just loved it. So RRR, uh, definitely check it out if you haven't already. That is my number seven movie of 2022. My number six film is uh, probably the movie that I've had on my mind more than any other movie since I've seen it. Um, I know it's not in my top five, but it's just a movie that I'm thinking about, and I want to rewatch it very, very soon. And it's also probably the hardest sell uh, to general moviegoers. My number six is Bones and All. I've watched Bones and All in theaters uh, with my girlies in the AZ, and it was super late. I think it was like a 10:30 showing, so we ended up like getting out at like 1 a.m. So I had every reason to like get tired or want to leave or not be into it just based on, I don't know, the mood I went. And I'll tell you what, that movie ended and I literally thought to myself, I could have watched another hour of this. Now it's a hard sell because it's a gory, violent movie about cannibals. <laughs> and they don't hold back on that aspect. In fact, they are actually really good at showing the reality of what it could be like if cannibals lived on the fringe of society and in, in a weird way again it's about cannibals but it's almost like the best vampire movie that you can make or like a really like grounded in reality x-men almost if, if mutants were it's it also reminded me of dr sleep a lot like if um rose the hat and her like witchy gang of <laughs> whatever they're called witches i guess uh were the main characters of the movie um it reminded me of that the fact that there's a society of cannibals that can't help that they're cannibals but they have to live on the outskirts of society and find a way to 
Yeah, and I love they have it. There's this really cool angle that they can sense each other, and I just thought that was such an interesting idea that they only have each other, and don't know how to manage in any other way. Um, the performances are fantastic. Taylor Russell was a huge breakout star. She's the lead with Timothy Chalamet, Mark Rylance also. And um, I'll tell you what, I just thought it was um, really, really thoughtful. And there was a lot of world building to it. It was extremely shocking. <laughs> and it's very, um, it's a mood. Yeah, it, I, I could see people hating it. Yeah, I don't really know. It's a 3.8 average on on Letterboxd, but uh, I tell you what, I, th- I thought it was a really special movie. I'm not going to lie. And you don't get movies like this all the time. So um, you should watch it, but know that, like, know everything I've said going in, um, and I can't guarantee that you'll love it. But I did. I mean, again, if I was at home and I watched this with my cell phone out, it probably would have been a different experience. But the fact that I was able to sit still and let the movie kind of wash over me, and I was just sucked into the world. Um, I, it benefited from that. So anyway, Bones and All is uh, it's something it's something else. That's my number six film of 2022. All right, let's get into my top five. I got to take another drink of my lemon water. All right, drink a Coke Zero. If you've never had Coke with lemon, you should. And I don't mean like in the vending machine. Vending machine? <laughs> you know like the fountain machines where you can add it, like any syrup, like at fast food restaurants? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like go to McDonald's, order a Coke, and ask for them to put lemon in it. It's great. Or just get lemon and put it in your Coke. It's really good. Anyway, my number five film is really special and close to my heart. Uh, I relate to both characters. I feel like Ryan Stelling at different ages uh, sort of relates to both of these characters and I thought it was so beautifully directed and acted and written and I was just so involved and it was sort of like a larger than life folktale but also like super realistic and yeah I just thought it was wonderful it's the Banshees of Anna Sheeran uh, directed by Martin McDonough and Colin Farrell Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon, Barry Killian, however you pronounce his name I thought it was a wonderful film. And if you haven't seen it, it's about... I'm reading from Letterboxd. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. So, again, it's a very basic premise, but you don't really see it often. You don't see a male friendship breakup movie. And you definitely don't see it in the landscape. That the, I believe this is in the 20s or the 30s. I can't remember. Uh, in Ireland? Ireland? Yeah. Inner Sheeran, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't see movies like this often. And again, I saw it in theaters, and I was really glad that I did because it's beautiful to watch. It's also on HBO Max. I've rewatched it on streaming as well. But, um, you know, I, I find myself really, of course, um, relating to the Colin Farrell character because I'm not great at letting things go, especially with, like, friendships and people. It really bothers me when people don't want to be my friend <laughs> when I'm like trying to connect um so yeah Brendan Gleeson though he's a he's a guy who uh he just wants to he he wants to get over the uh I don't know redundancy of his friendship he finds his friendship with Colin Farrell dull 
and he kind of just wants to move on and live his own life and work on his art, his music. And I relate to that too. I mean, there was a time in my life when all I ever wanted to do was work on my podcast career and I sacrificed my friends for that. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I can relate to both characters and understand both characters. And that's kind of what makes this so fascinating is I think I'm obviously pulling for Colin Farrell more, um, but watching this take place, I mean, it was just such an interesting premise. And again, it was done in a most beautiful way and the performances are great. I mean, again, Carrie Condon and Barry uh, Kugan as well. Um, just fantastic. And also great use of animals. This is a great animal movie. The donkey, fantastic. Uh, it just, it made me sad. It made me happy. It's funny. It's dark. Um, it's got everything and it, but it, yeah, it's its own, it's very singular as well. Uh, so anyway, Banshees of Venice Sharon is my number five. I just think it's a delightful film. My number four, we're getting personal here in my top four. Um, my number four is a movie direct, uh, made by my favorite filmmaker that I think is extremely underappreciated. Probably the most underappreciated movie in my top ten by far. Um, I think the studio botched this release, and it's been confusing, and I don't quite understand why... This isn't getting out there, and people aren't caring about it, and people don't want to see it, or I shouldn't say don't want to, but people haven't seen it yet. But this movie was a love letter to cinema. I relate to it a lot in terms of you know my childhood and the way that I grew up and my passion of filmmaking and cinema. It's all in Steven Spielberg's The Fablements. Now, I took Ernesto to see this movie, who you know, doesn't really have a relationship to movies the way that I do, or especially Steven Spielberg. But this was just a fitting movie. I wanted to show him just what made movies made me feel like that. It was like that kind of movie. I could just tell how special it was going to be. And, um, it was, it was like a movie therapy for me. I was able to witness why I love movies so much and why movies meant so much to me. And it's because, uh, I don't know. I've always been attracted to not only Spielberg's movies, but Spielberg's life. If you haven't seen Spielberg's documentary on HBO, I think it's just called Spielberg. It's fascinating. It goes into his childhood and, you know, The Fablemans is autobiographical. So The Fablemans has all of this in it. But it goes into his childhood and, you know, the contrast between his mother and his father and his constant push and pull between them and they eventually divorce and it explains how he's worked through his family dynamic through all the movies that he's made that we've come to enjoy. And it's it's wonderful to have that context going in. But I don't think you have to have it. I think that conversation has been going on. Like, what does the Fablemans mean if you don't care about Spielberg or don't know anything about his life? I don't think that that's... I don't subscribe to that because... Just last year, Paul Thomas Anderson did the exact same thing with Licorice Pizza. I thought Licorice Pizza was fantastic, but I don't know anything about Paul Thomas Anderson or how he grew up and how he was raised or how he got into filmmaking. If I did, it would have been the cherry on top, and I would have had a new way to appreciate Licorice Pizza, but I didn't need it to love it. And Ernesto didn't have any of that knowledge, but he loved it anyway and thought it was good too. Uh, it was a really good movie to share with him. But, I mean, the stuff that I relate to as a child of divorce, um, my father is very similar to Spielberg's father in certain aspects. Um, 
but just feeling like I'm in the middle and the only thing that I went to was like the arts and making movies when I was a kid. I mean, it's why I get passionate about Super 8. You know, it reminds me of my childhood where I just turned to making movies with my friends and had this creative outlet and it stuck with me for the rest of my life and the way that it stuck with him. And, and anyway, so it's just such a personal movie that I feel like is for me, but also I think everybody can get something out of it and enjoy it. So I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to get it on 4k Blu-ray. Uh, if they release it, I, I, I'm really disappointed with the release of this movie. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I couldn't believe that I got a hold of it in Tucson when I lived there. But, um, I remember I saw it in Tucson and then like a week or two after I heard that people in LA were still having trouble seeing it. I'm just like, what's going on? There were two release dates online for so long and it was so confusing. And, uh, I, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on with this release. It's weird. Um, but anyway, The Fablemans is my number four. I just think it's movie magic. And uh, it just means a lot to me personally. Number three is the best multiverse movie of the year. And that is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And the reason why this is the best multiverse movie, and the reason why this movie is so special, first of all, it came from absolute nowhere. Uh, what is it, the highest grossing A24 movie ever? It was probably the movie that was most discussed at my work uh, amongst everybody, the general movie-going audience. This movie really broke through, and there was a constant conversation around it. I mean, it's a really special film. So the reason why this is the greatest multiverse movie is because if you have a movie about the multiverse, you want it to fulfill that promise and feel like anything can happen. Not only do I feel like anything can happen when I'm watching this movie, but everything does. <laughs> like the hot dog fingers, the scene with the rock, uh, the rocks, excuse me, Stephanie Hsu just going all out, uh, the action uh, choreography and everything. I mean, it's so special while also being so grounded and rooted in Michelle Yeoh's character and this entire family. A breakout star in Stephanie Hsu, big time crush on her. Not going to lie. Um, this movie is just... You don't see things like this every day. I cannot wait to rewatch it. I've only seen it once. Uh, I wanted... It was one of those movies where like I appreciated it so much. I wanted a lot of time to go by before I revisited it again. Um, I think I'm going to watch it with my family. Um, I, I know that my family is going to irritate me when I watch it with them. Because they're just going to be like, well, that was weird. That's not what I thought it was going to be. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's really special, and um, it's got everything, and it's uh, just what movies are all about, man. It really is. My number two. Can you guess it? I don't think my top three changed all year, by the way. My three, two, one. I don't think it changed. My number two. I cannot believe a Hollywood studio made it. It's the movie that I wish I could show my younger self. Uh, it's a movie that I've had in my head for years. Um, it finally, in my opinion, brought Batman comics to life. Right off the page. The Batman is a vibe uh, for me. <laughs> First of all, let's just go all... I mean, there's been so much discourse. First of all, it's the best comic book movie of the year. Hands down. 
Uh, shout out Matt Reeves for making just an incredible film. But Robert Pattinson was incredible as Batman. Incredible. People have their opinions about his Bruce Wayne. This movie wasn't really about Bruce Wayne. So, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, also, also, like, we've seen so much Bruce Wayne. That's the thing about... That's the thing about movies in the superhero genre is that when you read a comic, the way that people discuss comics from run to run, they're way more accepting about, like, just what it is. Like, you open up said run, let's say you never see a single panel of Bruce Wayne. The entire Batman run from start to finish is just Batman solving a mystery. And then you go to another run where it explores Bruce Wayne. And maybe he never puts on the cow in this entire run. It's about Bruce Wayne. The way that people would discuss that, sure, there'd probably be a preference. But you would appreciate it for the fact that it's only about Bruce Wayne. Because you also have this over here. And then you appreciate this because it's cool that he's never Bruce Wayne. Like, the, what, the comic book discourse is so different. And allows different books to be different. But whenever a movie does that, also when it's so obviously done, people get upset. Like, there's nothing about this movie that tries to make it about exploring Bruce Wayne. There's obviously that in there, because I think that's important. But it's about Detective Batman solving a mystery with the Riddler, and Catwoman is such a huge presence. Like, it's doing everything... It went into a place that the Dark Knight never went. Your Bruce Wayne movies were the Dark Knight, and now this was all out Batman. So anyway, I just don't understand that discourse uh, because that's how comic comics work. Uh, because when it comes down to the quality, I think this is obviously just an absolute gem of a film. Uh, I cannot believe this movie is what it is because it didn't worry about being four quadrant. It was dark. It was moody. It was dirty. And, uh, it, I just, it's just really special. And I remember just feeling like a child watching this, even though it was brutal and dark and gloomy. Uh, I felt like a kid cause that's what Batman comics looked like in my head was this. And so anyway, Robert Pattinson showed up. I loved all of the actors, the penguin. I can't wait to see the next Matt Reeves film. I can't wait to see the TV series that this centers around. Um, I like the Riddler. I like Paul Dano in it, and I don't really appreciate the the Joker entry. Uh, but other than that, I I just love everything about this movie. So the Batman, it just goes without saying. My number one is my most watched film of the year. It's the movie I saw in theaters. Um, more than any other film this year. I believe I saw it in theaters four times. Three or four times. I can't remember. Uh, it's the movie I've... I think I've purchased it twice. I bought it on digital. And then I bought it on 4K Steelbook as well. It's um, one of the greatest legacy blockbusters of all time. Starring my favorite movie star of all time. It's Top Gun Maverick. And um, talk about the theatrical experience. I mean, no movie brought me to the theater more than this. 
I saw a early preview of this, and I don't think there were any trailers. It, we got the welcome message from Tom Cruise, and we got the Dead Reckoning trailer, but it was just four people who wanted to see this movie early. And when I walked in the theater, it was, it was everybody. There was old people. There were young people. You know, people from all different walks of life were in this movie. And we were all excited to experience it. And just the amount of fun this theater had while watching it. And, um, you know, I brought Ernesto out to see this one too. And he doesn't have any Tom Cruise fandom. I don't think he had seen Top Gun. Maybe he had, but didn't care about it. And, and he thought it was wonderful too. And this is the movie I wanted to show my friends more than any other movie. My sister loves this movie. I saw it with my family when I was in town uh, last summer. That was really special too. It's like the only, other than Avatar The Way of Water, it's the only movie I've seen with my family this year. Uh, but we all went out and had a blast with it. And um, it's a movie that I've listened to the soundtrack all the time. Every time I flew uh, this year, uh, I listened to the soundtrack because it got me through the plane rides because it, it kind of got me excited. Um, I know this sounds stupid, but it kind of got me enthused about flying and being in a plane, even though I'm just sitting in a plane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just like my lifestyle. <laughs> I, I had a name tag at work and my name tag said rooster for a long time. Um, this was just the movie that I had the most fun being a fan of watching listening to the soundtrack it's what the movies are all about and it's one of the it's maybe one of the best blockbusters of all time it's uh i love that it's in the billion dollar club it's also unsuspecting i mean think about it this movie's been out for seven months or so but rewind the clock did we ever think it would be as big as it was did we ever think it'd be in the billion dollar club did we ever think tom cruise would be at the height of his powers um, no. Did we ever think Miles Teller would... I mean, my God. Glenn Powell, breakout star. There's an... I just love everything about it. And Top Gun Maverick is just... Makes me happy. And, um... It's gonna be the movie that... I mean, talk, it's the exact opposite of Coda. <laughs> I'm not gonna forget it. Ever. Top Gun Maverick is... I'm gonna always feel this way about Top Gun Maverick for the rest of my life. That third act never got old in theaters. I was on the edge of my seat every time. Uh, can hardly breathe. But, um, anyway. Top Gun Maverick is just... Uh, I love it. So great. That's my top ten movie list, guys. Uh, I'll go over it one more time. Number ten, Avatar. The Way of Water. Number nine, The Northman. Number eight, The Woman King. Number seven, RRR. Number six, Bones at All. Number five, The Banshees of Inishirin. Number four, The Fablemans. Number three, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Number two, The Batman. Number one, Top Gun Maverick. Just for funsies, you want to hear my top five lowest? So I saw 50 films this year, and 50 new releases, obviously. not. Uh, the worst movie I saw this uh, year was called Samaritan. It was on Prime Video, Sylvester Stallone's superhero movie. It's quite awful. Wait, who is it directed by? Oh, it, that was disappointing. It was directed by Julius Avery, who directed Overlord. And you know how much I love Overlord. I think Overlord balls the fuck out. But Samaritan was not good. Number 49 through 47 are just awful blockbusters. 
Jurassic World Dominion is my 49. Movie's awful. So bad. You know, and that's the thing, too. Jurassic World... Let me look up the box office real quick. It's Sunday night. I want to see if Avatar The Way of Water... Um, Jurassic World, that franchise, is is the franchise that um, has no impact on pop culture. The argument that everyone's made about Avatar over the last few years, about how there's no imprint on pop culture from... No, Jurassic World is that franchise. I've never had... I've never heard anybody in my real life talk about the Jurassic World movies. And they're also just straight up awful. They're terrible. Um, so domestic Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> Avatar The Way of Water surpassed The Rise of Skywalker domestic today, as it should. Uh, it's uh, You know what's crazy? I didn't realize Rogue One made more money domestic than Rise of Skywalker. That is fantastic. Uh, Avatar uh, is about to surpass... Uh, Rogue One, Dark Knight, Lion King for the domestic. Um, keep climbing. But international, or I'm sorry, worldwide, yeah. Avatar The Way of Water is currently number seven. It beat out Jurassic World. Good for it. So the only other movie that it needs to beat out that doesn't deserve to, it needs to beat out Force Awakens, and I'll be happy. <laughs> so it needs to beat two billion. Uh, but Avatar The Way of Water is the number seven um, that's crazy. Top Gun Maverick is number 12. Think of how fast Avatar The Way of Water beat Top Gun Maverick. But that's still incredible. I can't believe Top Gun Maverick is worldwide the number 12th highest grossing film. Higher than Black Panther. <laughs> that's wild. Anyway, um, Black Adam, movie's garbage. I hate that movie. Uncharted, terrible. Deep Water, loved watching it. Awful movie. The Gray Man, not good. Thor Love and Thunder, man, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Um, I had a lot of fun. This was good. Um, I'm not satisfied with my webcam or my lighting, but and I'm sick, but it's all good. Thank you all so much for hanging out with me. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Rewatch Ryan. Go to the description down below. Uh, if you're watching this on video, there's this QR code here in the top left. You can get a 30-day free trial of Audible on me. Uh, there's a link in that description down below as well. I think it's audibletrial.com slash rewatch, if I remember correctly. Also, go check out Movie Palette. It's really great. I still don't have mine up yet, but Movie Palette is this great artwork for movie fans. It's a great conversation piece to have, and it's also like subtle and uh, decorative, so it's not like you just have a movie poster in your room. Depending on the decor, maybe you don't want that, but it's a nice conversation piece. Go to moviepalette.com, and you'll check out all of these framed, or not framed, but canvas artworks that they have from said films, I can give you 15% off. Just use the promo code REWATCH15 for 15% off. So just remember, REWATCH15, I can get you 15% off of Movie Palette. So go check those out. They're really fun. I've got one downstairs. I'm just not ready to hang it up yet uh, because I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, thank you so much for supporting me, as always. And I'll see you next week talking probably Megan and Golden Globes. Thank you.